This is Positively Farming Media. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome to season three of the Just Grow Something podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. And we're going to kick off this season with an in-depth look at how to figure out what size garden bed is ideal for you and your gardening space. I have run the gambit of different sizing on beds, both in-ground and raised planters, and I've finally landed on my preferred size and spacing for both. And guess what? It's different for both situations. I prefer my in-ground beds to be one size and configuration, and I prefer my raised beds or my raised planters to be another in most instances. But there are cases where I will change that up a bit too. So how do you know what sized beds you should be creating? It took me a lot of years to finally land on what my preferences are and what works best for me. And if I had asked myself the right questions when I first started out, I probably would have landed on those answers a whole lot sooner. So today we'll talk about the different things that you should consider for raised planters and the ones to think about for in-ground beds. And it's not always the same for both. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. Yes, yes, yes. New season, new intro. I love a refresh and the beginning of a new podcast season and a new gardening season seems like the perfect time to change things up a little bit. So I did. So before we dig into planning our new beds, how are you? How is your winter going? Or summer if you're in the southern hemisphere? And yes, I see you, my listeners in Australia and New Zealand, Brazil, Indonesia, Zimbabwe, all of you who are in your summer right now. But 93%, I think, of my audience is in the U.S. and Canada, so that's where we're focused right now, okay? And we are in the cold right now, most of us. Heck, even my gardening friends in Southern California had it down to, like, right at freezing, and it was below freezing in areas of Florida. That crazy storm system. It's already caused really bitter cold, and winter is far from over. So I'm just going to stay inside and snuggle up with some hot coffee and my seed catalogs and, uh, and get ready for the warmer weather. I am happy to say that I got a chance to get a lot of work done in December for this new season of the show, and I also got a chance to catch up on some reviews. Most of the time, if I get a new review in Apple Podcasts, I get an email within just a few days. But I just recently discovered that you can leave comments from within CastBox, and so I wanted to shout out Amy, who left a comment over there back in November that I just finally saw. 
Amy said, I have learned so much. Thanks for putting out such helpful content. Thank you for the feedback, Amy. That is truly appreciated. And I'm glad you're finding the content helpful because that's my goal. And it's really nice to hear that I'm meeting that goal. So if you have left feedback somewhere other than Apple Podcasts, um, reach out and let me know so I can go and search for those things because apparently I do not get any kind of notification unless it is specifically left on Apple Podcasts. And I will absolutely read your review um, on the show. And this brings me to an exciting announcement. I told you uh, that I had been working in December on some exciting stuff for you guys all this season. And this is the first of those things. In a couple of weeks, I am going to open up registration for my very first online course, completely dedicated to teaching you how to plan your garden to make the most efficient use of the space that you have and to get the biggest yield. I have put so many hours into designing this course with videos and downloads and reference materials, and I'm super excited to share it with you. I'm not going to talk too much about it right now, but if you want to get on the waiting list to hear more about it when it does open up, head to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash plan, and I will send you all the details when we're ready to launch. In fact, you'll get to know first when the course opens up. So justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash plan to get on that list. Okay, do it. Do it. I'm so excited. Okay. So on to deciding what your garden bed dimensions should be. I spent years trying different widths and depths of planting beds, and I sort of based my dimensions initially off of what many market farmers use as their standard. The problem with that was that a lot of these farms use equipment that I just don't have. You know, they may have the fancy machines that roll out their landscape fabric or plastic mulch. And of course, that has to be a very specific width. Um, they may have water wheel planters for dropping seedlings in place. We don't have one of those, so we don't need to put our beds at that width. Um, they may also, a lot of them use, you know, methods that I don't like using mechanical harvesting of some sort. So even though I don't have and didn't at the time even have any of those types of things, it was really the only guidance that I had to go by other than my own experience. And of course, my own experience was, you know, a year or two in a very, very small corner of a backyard where I quite literally was just throwing seeds out there to see what would grow and then moving that to half an acre and just planting all my stuff in these rows that really didn't have any definition. So Trial and error basically helped me form my end result of what it is that I like as far as a width for my in-ground beds. I also never really had any guidance on what dimensions of raised planters or raised beds would be good for my smaller gardens. Mostly, we were just building them to fit whatever space they were going into. Um, I also took into consideration the cost per square foot of gardening space when we were like purchasing materials. If most of the time we were just reusing whatever we had laying around in piles, whatever wood was available, and we would base the dimensions off of that. But if I was buying something, buying wood, um, or now if I'm buying the actual kits, you know, I go to my planter box direct stuff. Um, it, I'm also considering, was considering, you know, the cost per square foot in that instance. 
which led me here even recently to make a raised bed purchase that I'm now sort of regretting because I veered away from my standard sizing because it was a better deal. And I'll talk about that shortly. You know, I'll make it work, but it's definitely going to have to be for specific crops or specific crop families. And that's not really the direction I ever want to go with any of my beds because I want them to be rotated with whatever. So let's start with our considerations for in-ground beds. What things should we consider when we're starting with our in-ground beds? The first thing is what are the dimensions of your overall space? If you're working with a fairly small planting area, a small garden, you may not want to divide it into fixed bed widths. If you're working with a small space, you may prefer to keep it all as plantable space and just make the walkways in between the beds based on whatever you're planting each year. In that instance, you can be a lot more flexible and you can keep it as all workable area and just change the bed widths. You can have multiple bed widths and multiple walkway widths within that space every single year and just change it up. That may work the best for you, especially in a small space. But if you're in a larger space, there are a lot of advantages to dividing that space into permanent beds with permanent walkways. If you have permanent walkways, it's going to help with keeping the weeds down in those walkways. And this is even if you're not putting anything down in the walkway, even if you're not using mulch or, or pebbles or anything to walk on, just the fact that you are walking in that same path over and over and over again is going to help to keep those weeds down. Having a permanent bed is also going to help keep the soil within those beds from getting compacted because you're less likely to be stepping in them. And so the compaction will happen in your walkways and you'll keep the soil where you're planting nice and loose and fluffy. It's also more economical to add any amendments that you might have to purchase directly into defined beds rather than a just general area. So if you have to purchase compost, if you're buying feather meal or bone meal or things like that to add to your soil, definitely more economical to have a fixed area that you're applying that to. And it's also good for if you're using landscape fabric, which is a fixed width in most instances. You can choose the width of the landscape fabric to match all of your beds if they're all the same width or vice versa. If you plan to use a specific landscape fabric, you can build your beds um, to be the same width as that landscape fabric. The second consideration is what tools do you use in that space? So if you have row covers or frost cloth, that aforementioned landscape fabric or any other weed barriers, um, trellises, anything that is a defined width, you're going to want to match those to your garden space. Um, do you bring carts or wheelbarrows into the space? Are you going to need room in between the beds for that? So you may have to make your walkways wider, which if you are working with limited space means you're going to have to make your beds more narrow. So you may choose wider paths, which means narrower beds, or you may choose extra wide beds that can be reached from only one side at a time with the carts in the walkway. This may also mean that you might just create one central very wide path with narrower beds on either side to accommodate a wheelbarrow or a cart and then just have um, wider beds with narrower paths throughout the rest of the space that can be accessed from that central walkway. So whatever 
way you are planning to design your your space should be based on what you are using within the space. The other consideration too is other specific tools that you're using. So are they a certain width? Do you use a tiller um, that is a specific width? It's going to be a lot easier to do one pass with that tiller based on the width of your bed, or if it's a very small tiller, two passes, and base your bed width on that. Um, I have a greens cutter, for example. Now, I know it's not common for small gardens to, to have a greens cutter, but it is very useful for us in the amount of leafy greens that we grow every single year. And it is a certain width. And thankfully, my planting beds, the width that I've landed on, is pretty much the same width um, of that, that cutter. There are instances where the bed is a little bit wider, which is fine. It makes it easy for me to do one pass up one side and one pass down the other side. And I can reach the entire bed in, in that manner. So think about specific tools that you use within your garden space to make the to take that into consideration for for how wide you want to make your beds and how wide you want to make your your pathways. Another consideration too is what are you most commonly planting? Um, you may want to base the width of your beds on the distance in between the the crops that you're planting. So for example, corn, sweet corn. If you usually plant sweet corn every single year, sweet corn should be planted in blocks for pollination. So you're going to want your beds wide enough to be able to get several very closely planted rows of sweet corn in there. Um, broccoli, for instance, grows very wide leaves. So are your beds wide enough to accommodate one broccoli plant in the center as it expands out without kind of, you know, falling over into the walkways where you're going to be rubbing up against it every time and it's going to damage those leaves. Um, do you do a lot of vining crops? Cucumbers, winter squashes, melons. Um, if, if you are not going to trellis those, you're going to have to train those to sort of stay in their space and out of the walkways. Are your beds wide enough to be able to, uh, to take care of that? And then things like climbing crops, like peas and pole beans that need more vertical space than horizontal. Okay, well, if you grow a lot of those, then narrower beds may be okay for you, so long as you have room to work within the space. You could get a lot more in a smaller space by creating narrower beds. You also want to consider how often you use trellises in these spaces too. So if you move them from one bed to another as you rotate crops, are the trellises going to fit in all of your garden beds or are you going to have to maintain them in just certain beds and just rotate certain crops through certain beds? Nothing wrong with that, but these are all things to think about. Something else to consider too um, with in-ground beds is your gardening style. How wide your garden bed is is going to affect your ability to reach things in the middle of the bed. So if you have a fairly wide bed and you have walkways on each side, well, that makes it easier to reach everything in the middle. So wider beds are a little bit more possible if you have walkways. But if they're too wide and you'll be stepping into the beds to harvest, well, that can compact the soil. So you just want to see, okay, what's a comfortable reach for you to get to the center of that bed from one side or the other and make it possible to plant and to harvest without getting too much onto that soil. Um, if some of the garden is, say, up against fencing, 
or it's up against a building and you'll only have access to it from one side, then that may mean you have to make those beds a little bit more narrow to make it easier to be able to reach. And then beds where you're reaching up to harvest off of trellises, if they're too wide, it may require you to step into that bed to reach up high, which is gonna compact the soil if the bed is too wide. So your gardening style is also gonna help define your garden bed dimensions. And then take into consideration your irrigation, right? How do you water? If you're using drip tape, how easy is it to lay this out in a super wide bed? Are you using low-lying sprinklers? A narrower bed may allow for runoff into the walkways, which makes them less efficient. Are you hand watering? Can you reach the center of the bed easily with a heavy watering can or a hose without straining? We don't wanna be hurting our backs while we're trying to lean over and water our plants. Now, if you're like me and you don't really manage to do much in the way of irrigation, most of it is mulching and everything else, this isn't gonna be a concern for you, but it may be something that you keep in the back of your mind. So there are sort of general recommendations for how wide an in-ground bed should be. And they generally are 24, 36, 42, or 48 inches wide, which roughly is 50, 91 centimeters, you know, just over a meter and, and 1.2 meters. Why these widths? Um, really what it comes down to is most garden plant spacing recommendations are based on very specific increments of six inches. Yeah, I'm gonna use US customary units right now just to make it easier. It's just a concept. Um, it's the same thing in, in centimeters. They're generally done in increments. So in the US, it's, you know, it's either six inches or 12 inches, 18, 24, 30, 36. So it makes sense to create our beds in a similar fashion to be able to fit X number of rows of a plant with proper spacing, and then a not a lot of that extra room goes to waste or is unused on either side. Does that make sense? So it's easier to create beds with widths that work in a similar fashion as our garden plant spacing. So this can actually go back to what we already talked about with regards to the most common crops that you plant. If you have you know, a rotation maybe of six plants that generally are the only things that you grow in your garden and they are mostly spaced about 18 inches apart. Well, it's gonna make it easier for you to decide on the widths of your bed. Um, if you have plants though that, you know, are maybe six inches apart and you have some that are 24 and some that are 36, okay, then you can, you can base your plantings or you can base your bed spacing um, on that. You can also create beds that are different widths for either specific purposes or because of their location. Remember, we already talked about beds that are against a fence or, or a building may need to be more narrow just in terms of convenience. But if you have beds that are designed to hold a trellis that stays there permanently and you just rotate crops in there that need the trellis, well, then you can make that bed width specific to that trellis. 
You can also do beds that are designed for specific crops, um, like leafy greens. You know, we know leafy greens generally, their root system is only about four to six inches deep, um, and they, you know, are planted X number of inches, you know, across and apart, etc. It's going to be pretty standard every single time. So if you're doing lettuce in there one year, but then you're doing spinach the next, you can define that bed for however it's easy enough for you to be able to get in there. Um, just be sure that you're thinking about how you work in these beds. Too wide and it makes it difficult to get to the center of low growing crops. Too narrow and you may eliminate the ability to grow crops in that bed that tend to spread out. You guys know I've been using Elm Dirt's products in our greenhouse and gardens all summer long with fantastic results, but now I've realized all my houseplants I've neglected all gardening season are in desperate need of being potted up. Just in time, Elm Dirt has announced their newest product, their all-purpose potting mix. This mix is a blend of organic ingredients crafted to create a living potting soil. Not only does it contain their ancient soil, a blend of worm castings along with four of the most bioactive soil enhancing ingredients, it also contains no peat moss. You guys know I'm super concerned about the environmental impact of peat moss and Elm Dirt has chosen to use pit moss for water retention instead. Pit moss is made from organic recycled paper and is a sustainable alternative to peat moss, which makes my little sustainable heart very happy. Elm Dirt is offering Just Grow Something gardening friends a little something special to get you started in using their products. Go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash dirt and use the code JUSTGROW at checkout to get a free bottle of their bloom juice with any purchase. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash dirt with code JUSTGROW at checkout for a free bottle of bloom juice with any purchase from Elm Dirt. Okay, and then let's talk about our considerations for raised planters. We talked in-ground beds, now we're going for raised beds. And note, if I say raised beds instead of planters here, I'm always referring to beds that you somehow have built up. Generally, we're thinking about boxes that we've built from wood or other materials or prefab planters that we assemble on site from things like composites or metal. This can also be found materials like tubs and bins that we may want to repurpose. We do a whole lot of repurposing around the farm for planting in. So I'm just going to use the term raised bed and raised planters interchangeably here, okay? Many of the considerations that we talked about with determining the width of our in-ground beds is repeated for our raised planters too. You always want to consider the overall dimensions of your gardening space, the tools that you'll be using in the beds and maybe in between the beds, the crops that you commonly grow or intend to grow, and your gardening style. But with raised beds, there are a few other things to consider. The first one is the depth of the bed. So very shallow beds are fine for things like leafy greens and small roots like radishes that don't go very deep. But for everything else, you generally want a minimum of about a 16 inch soil depth or about 40 centimeters. Most plant roots sit around the four to eight inch mark into the soil and things like carrots or anything with a really deep tap root like brassicas will go as deep as 10 inches, some even deeper. 
So the goal with our raised planters is to make sure that we have enough soil volume in the bed to accommodate the roots of the crop that we're growing. We want to hold the plant in place properly and we want to have enough soil available to hold enough nutrients and water for all the plants in the bed. So a shallower bed is going to dry out much more quickly than a deeper one. And a shallow bed may also not hold enough nutrients for more demanding crops, which is going to result in a more frequent feeding and also more frequent additions of compost. Not necessarily, you know, a, a bad thing, but just know it's going to require more effort on your part. The upside to shallow beds is that they are definitely less expensive to fill the first time around and they can cost less overall to install. So if a shallow bed suits your specific purpose, go for it. I have several eight inch deep beds, um, several that we built from scratch with leftover lumber and one that I actually purchased that is one of those sort of prefab ones. I use them specifically for shallow rooted plants. So shallow beds are also okay if the soil beneath the bed is accessible to those deeper rooted plants. So if your soil isn't bad where you're putting these raised planters, break up the soil for any beds that are shallower than 10 inches and then just leave the bottom off of the raised, the raised bed or the raised planter container. Um, now, of course, this isn't gonna work if you're planting in a container that's got a solid bottom, or if you're planting on top of fairly unsuitable materials like rocks or solid clay or even concrete. Um, in my gardening area up front, the reason that we have raised planters up there is because that soil is not really soil. I think at one point it was probably fill dirt of some sort. It's a lot of rock, it's a lot of clay. It, there's nothing that you can really plant into very well. So. Even though I do leave the bottoms off of all of my raised planters up there and allow them to all have contact with that dirt essentially underneath. And I know it's it's loosening up as, as the years go on, but it's not something that I ever would have planted directly into. So take that into consideration when you're looking at shallow beds. Now, there also are very deep beds that are designed to make it easier on the back because basically they stand up taller. They're also really good for perennial plants or very, very deep-rooted crops that need deeper soil. If you decide to go this direction, just be aware of the width of the bed in addition to the depth. So if it's really high and you have to try to reach across, you don't want that bed to be so wide that it's making it difficult for you to get into the center of that bed. I have one raised planter bed that is 36 inches tall. And the one thing that I have to take into consideration with that one is that I need to make sure that that soil level stays up pretty high. It needs to be about an inch or so from the top of that planter. Otherwise, I find myself having to sort of lean down into the bed, which number one is not good for your back. But number two also makes it to where some of the heat sort of reflects back down into the plants that are in there and it traps that heat there, which doesn't do the plants any favors at all in the middle of the summer. So just be aware of that. The deep beds are great, um, again, for saving your back if you have them up properly, um, but take into consideration the width in addition to the depth of those beds. There are also a couple of other special considerations for width. If the bed 
is too wide, it's not as easy to just sort of step into the bed to reach the middle of it. You know, I I mentioned one that I sort of messed up on that I that I bought here recently. I I bought a planter box direct bed that is five foot by five foot. And it was I did it because it was on sale. It was a great deal for the amount of square footage of planting space I was going to get. And normally I don't go that wide with my beds. But I thought, oh, if I need to get in the center of it, I'll just I'll just step into it to get it. It doesn't really work that well. It's fine. I planted a ton of spinach in that bed, and I am able to get into it to to get to the center of it. It's just not very convenient. It's not really conducive to, you know, step into it. Again, you're sort of compacting that soil when you do it. If I had to do it all over again, the maximum that I would do would be a four by four because I could still reach into the center of the bed without really leaning and stressing my back out and still be able to reach the middle of the bed from both sides or all the sides. So I'm going to reserve that bed now for specific crops, usually ones that will sort of vine and sprawl. Uh, I plan on using it, I think, this year as the base for our loofah plants. So I'm going to attach a trellis to the side of it and allow the loofah to grow up the trellis, but also spread out into that bed. So again, I sort of shot myself in the foot there because I can't, or I don't intend now to use it in the complete crop rotation in those beds. So again, just, just think about these things as you're deciding what your width is going to be. Uh, the other thing to consider too is who is using the garden? Raised planters are really great for giving people access to gardens who may not be easily able to get into an in-ground gardening area. If you have friends or family members who love to garden and they uh, use a walker or a cane or a wheelchair, you're going to want to consider this when you're talking about the width and the depth of your raised planters. Of course, at this point, you also want to consider um, the width of your walkways, too. You want the walkways to be wide enough to get their apparatus through easily. Um, for wheelchair access, the recommended height of raised planters is 24 inches or 61 centimeters tall. This is supposed to be the ideal height for somebody to work in a garden bed who is working from a wheelchair. So again, you want to consider the width of the bed for these folks. Um, you want them to be narrow enough to be able to easily reach into the middle while they are using their assistance apparatus. So, um, you know, if you've, if you've got loved ones um, or friends who, who maybe miss gardening because of their wheelchair or their cane or their walker, this is a great opportunity to give them access to a garden, uh, a garden space again. So... Um, and then one more consideration also is if you're gardening with children, a narrower bed is easier for little gardeners to get into without actually climbing into the planter. <laughs> so you usually want um, a, a, a planter bed designed for children to be no wider than three feet or 90 centimeters. That's just the best option to keep their little feet on the ground in the walkway and reaching over into the planter instead of climbing up into it and, and compacting that soil. So the standard widths for most raid planters, um, you're looking at 18 inches, 24 inches, 36, 48, 5 foot, and 6 foot. Um, like I said, general recommendations are for 36 inches or 90 centimeters for children or folks with special mobility considerations, and then 48 inches or 1.2 meters 
for everyone else in general. Those are just sort of the, I guess, best overall dimension that that I have seen. And when you look at the depth, that is going to be based on, again, what you are normally planting. But 36 or 48 inches, 90 centimeters or 1.2 meters is generally going to fit the majority of your garden crops. It's going to fit the majority of people and, and also make it easier for you to be able to get into harvesting those beds without um, having to, to compact that soil by stepping into it. Um, most prefab companies have multiple widths to choose from. When you're building your own, your materials that you have available to you may help define how wide your beds are. Um, that is, uh, is definitely a consideration. I mean, like I said, we worked with just scrap lumber when we first started building ours. And so that was what defined how deep our beds were and also how wide they were. So, um, just keep that, keep that in mind when you're deciding on your, on your widths. And just like in ground beds, you can have a mix of widths and depths to suit your individual needs, um, with your, um, with your raised planters. So what are my go-to widths for my garden beds? For my in-ground beds, I prefer 48 inches with 18-inch pathways. That's 1.2 meters with 46-centimeter pathways in between. This works out because the width of our garden rake that we use for smoothing our soil out is 48 inches. It is also the width of our box tiller that attaches to the back of our tractor. And the large tires on our tractor are 18 inches wide. So it sort of fits perfectly when we need to get into those beds with the tractor. This width also gives us the most flexibility for the crops that we grow. I can rotate crops to just about any bed without any special consideration. So it gives me a lot more flexibility when it comes to crop rotation. Um, even my permanently trellised beds are also the same width. The wider bed width allows for me to grow crops in the understory of those taller ones. So that expands the, the planting space and also increases the harvest with still having the same amount of space. And then anything that kind of grows overhead gets its own special beds in the raised planters. So for the raised planters, I actually have a wide range of those. My preferred width is either that 36 inch or 48 inch width, 91 centimeters to 1.2 meters. I will go 24 inches or 61 centimeters when I am squeezing beds into tight spaces. Um, I did add five new uh, planter box direct beds this past fall that are 24 inches wide by five feet long, I believe. And the reason I did those narrower ones is because of the space that I was putting them in. They are lined along our driveway and that area has a very steep sort of drop off. And so without having to terrace that too much, the 24 inches was just gonna fit um, perfectly there. It does limit some of the things that I can grow in those beds, but it was better than not having anything there at all. Um, I have experimented with wider, not my favorites. I don't like anything larger than 48 inches. And 48 inches is also really good for larger crops. Um, the tomatoes is, is perfect for that. It does require me to go to the other side of the bed to harvest thoroughly, but that's okay. I make sure that there are walkways around the outside of all of those beds where I can get to them from any side that's available. 
Um, I do have some that are up against a fenced area and those are 36 inches so I don't have to worry about stepping into the bed and still be able to reach it because I can get it to it from from three sides so it's not it's not a big deal. My preferred depth of the raised beds is 18 inches or 43 centimeters. Um, I started with eight inches, like I mentioned, it's not deep enough for all of the crops that we grow. And I like to be able to have that flexibility of the crop rotation. Um, we moved after that to about 12 inches, which was fine so long as I had access to the soil underneath. But again, if we're not planting in ideal areas, then that soil underneath is not going to be um, very accessible to those plants. So I've found that 18 inches allows the maximum control of the soil content without having to break the bank in filling that uh, that bed when we create the new beds. I did say I do have that one 18 inch one that works really well for leafy greens and shallow rooted crops and green onions and that sort of thing, um, but it doesn't give me the flexibility to be able to use that for anything that's larger, no tomatoes or anything like that. So um, again, raised beds preferred with 36 or 48 inches with an 18 inch depth really does seem to be a generally good um, fit for my gardening style and my gardening space. You have to decide what works best for you. Okay, I hope that that gives you a starting point for creating your new garden beds, whether they are in ground or raised containers or both. If you have any questions at all on that or anything else that you think you might want to consider, or if you have some tips and tricks for anybody else who is considering, you know, creating these new ones and things that you didn't think about before you started that you wish you had considered, reach out and let me know. Reach out, find me on Instagram, on Facebook. You can send me an email, whatever. I would love to talk about it with you you. So um, something new this season, we are going back to the Focal Point Friday episodes. Um, if you remember way back in season one, I actually used to do two episodes of this podcast every single week. I have no idea how I survived that, but I miss sort of uh, touching base with you later on in the week. And so we've gone, we're going back this season to the Focal Point Fridays. It'll be a little bit different. I'll explain more about that on Friday. So join me back here again on Friday. And until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating cultivating that dream garden and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign up and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.